Okay, let's record this podcast. What if okay. they're not anymore right. garbage? Yep, 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 yep. Oh no, this is a garbage. It's friendship. French. Tagline for Rogue Pod, really. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs> Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. everybody and welcome to the Podrilorian season three where we'll be talking all about star wars visions uh <laughs> sorry i don't usually do host intros for the Podrilorian, but because today's a very special episode um i am so if danny who's with us tonight <laughs> again Rogue Six was an anime genre. They would be slice of life anime because they're just usually so pretty and nice and heartwarming and like not stressful, but about but about learning how to be your true self. Oh, I wish all those things were true about me. They are true about they are true about you, Danny. That's why you're like that. Thanks. You're welcome. Ash Rogue Nine would be isekai anime, which is when someone from modern times gets transported back into fantasy world. (laughs) (laughs) Because Ash knows what's going on and Ash has transferable skills. Ash Ash owns swords. (laughs) Right. Hey, can you make this table for me? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Figure it out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Just just don't ask them to send it to you. (laughs) Yeah, that's... (laughs) Oh no. Made the table. It lives with me now. <laughs> Ash has a, a growing pile on a table somewhere that just says mail this stuff to Danny someday. <laughs> and the really table do. also gets mailed to Danny. Yeah, yeah. It's a bonus. <laughs> Heath, Rogue Three would be sports anime because mm-hmm. they're motivating and they're really touching and they're all about rooting for the underdogs, which he knows all about because he goes to Philly's games. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god oh is that is that a thing you're into tough you like baseball heath maybe it's tough but fair first may, first you're hearing of it maybe i don't know <laughs> really talking about first it. you're hearing about baseball <laughs> yeah sounds right <laughs> What is this baseball you speak of? Baseball. Baseball. No, 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 no. We are moving on. Saf Rogue 7 would be mech anime because the main character is usually scrappy and cute and makes lots of friends with robots or maybe becomes a robot. Hell yeah. (laughs) I have watched all of two mech animes. I think Evangelion and Gurren Lagann both count as mech animes, right? Yeah. Yeah, those are the two I've watched. Ooh, those are is some Evangelion... different sides of the spectrum. Is Evangelion a mech anime or is it technically it is yes. depression? <laughs> technically, yes. Yeah, yeah. Both. It's yes. both. The answer is yes. And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I would be the Maho Shoujo Magical Girl anime genre oh, yeah. because I'm sparkling, 
have the power of love on my side and always do my best. It's true. It's so good. I love that. I thought of it yesterday and I was like, oh, we're doing host intros. What a great, what a great bunch of hosts intros. Thanks. Um, so wherever my show notes are, here they are. Great. So tonight we are going to be talking about Star Wars Vision. Uh, in particular, the three shows, The Duel, The Elder, and Akakiti. Um, we're not going in like chronological order of when the episodes uh, are in the season. Um, I grouped our episodes together based on like tone and theme. Um, so tonight we're starting with the three that I think best embody like samurai, Kurosawa, and pre-modern Japan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And will you define those for us? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, so Samurai, I think, is the traditional warrior, at least to the West, that's what we think of as Samurai, the traditional, like, Japanese old-time warrior with swords um, and top knots and things like that, right? Um, whereas, like, in Japan, Samurai were kind of like that, but it was also, like, a job, so there was, like, a case system, for samurai. But anyway, they're warriors who work for powerful families usually. Um, and like they're a big inspiration for the Jedi. Um, and then Kurosawa is um, Akira Kurosawa, who's made like the most iconic like samurai movies from Japan. Um, George Lucas said that like Fortress of the Wolf and other Kurosawa movies were huge influences on Star Wars which is why like it makes a lot of sense that now we're bringing Star Wars over for Japanese studios to play with. Finally, finally acknowledging. <laughs> yeah, finally. It took them long enough. Are they? I mean, I feel like there could have been more to acknowledge that this, the connection between these two things versus yeah. here, we thought we'd let this other culture play in our playground for a little bit. Yeah, the, the amount you, of- You like, built this playground. You can come play for a minute. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like the amount of really dumb tweets I saw <laughs> where dudes were like, Japan has nothing to do with Star Wars. And I just, how can you be so protective of canon and Star Wars, but not know what they are they <laughs> like care That's george the doesn't thing. make it a secret george is like yeah samurai movies baby like the mandalorian also did not make it a secret no they gave even less credit sometimes but we've yeah. talked about that i previously. think they mentioned lone wolf and cub once in the I, gallery oh and yeah in the in the interview thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. uh yes the gallery which all the major fans of the mandalorian have watched yep everyone has seen that yeah differently <laughs> Okay, I watched it, but whatever. No, no, that wasn't a dig on you, Ash. No, that was a dig on a dig that being the only place was... where they chose to share that was like this it's very niche thing. On oh, I, was, I was making fun of myself. That was a dig on myself. Because I you didn't were making watch fun of it. me for watching it. No, I watched no. it too. I did. No, I was making fun of myself for not watching it. I didn't want to listen. I could, I could not listen to John Fevreau <laughs> and Dave Filoni stroke themselves for six hours or whatever. <laughs> I'm just really lazy. Really? Not into that, Meg? <laughs> no. Not even I mean, a the little Luke bit. One, the Luke one was really interesting because it was mostly about the visual effects and Mark Campbell. Cool. But the, visual, the visual effects of that episode were really interesting, actually. 
what I'm hearing is we should do a an audio commentary. <laughs> oh, God. It would just yes. be me screaming. Oh, an audio commentary on we need commentary to do on it. the series. We need to do it on the the season one episode of Gallery where it's all about the creatives and John Favreau and Dave Filoni just talk over everybody for like 45 minutes. Jesus that's, Christ. That's our holiday special this year. Yeah. Does that play into the everybody theory being the other, other women and people of color that directed all the other episodes? Wait, does that yeah. mean I get to be John Favreau? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're you can be John Favreau if you want. Okay, I'll be Dave yeah. Filoni. I'll have this cosplay. I'll do a John Favreau cosplay. I'll just wear a cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah. You um, have one. I have one. <laughs> I am really sorry about whatever I said that goes here. <laughs> Yeah, how do we let's, let's escape this? Yeah, um, and pre-modern Japan um, is kind of considered the period before like heavy industrialization. Um, this kind of the Star Wars timeline does include when Japan, which was a very it is a very xenophobic country, but they specifically <laughs> had no trade with countries around them and were closed off to like any foreigner. And then eventually America and like Britain like nudged their way in because of course they did. And that kind of like had a big boost of uh, fights between like Japanese people who wanted to stay traditional and then Japanese people who were embracing modern technology and were more like economic mind focused. Um, and then that led into like the modern era, which is industrialized, full industrialization, um, definitely more adherence to Western countries in Japan in particular. Um, so that's kind of the era that we're in, or the like, at least the vibes that all of that, like these three shorts do give off. Yeah, so, I mean, looking at the series as a whole, every episode sort of had a different vibe, kind of, I'm not versed in that. Uh, is it, is it, do I say anime or anime? What is, what is the correct way for me, a white newbie fan, to refer to this genre? Um, anime is fine. Okay, so I, I'm not familiar with all, but I could, like, I could sort of start to glean sort of, these are all, a lot of the different subgenres of anime, and sort of, like, what I've seen in pop culture of, like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, this style, this style, this style. Do you think that when they're mapping out the season, like, like, did they pick these studios because each of these studios specializes in one of those styles? Or did they say, we want to have these nine styles, here are the studios, decide amongst yourselves who's going to do, like, which genre? Or was it not even, it, it just was more coincidental that it turned out to be this diverse of stories? It just seems like it's a natural consequence yeah. of the kinds of stories those studios tell. Right. Mm -hmm. And, like, these studios are mostly younger studios. Um, they're studios that produce a lot of original work. So like not based on a manga, like a majority of anime is. Um, manga is a comic. Um, and so I don't think they would accept offers where Disney's like, you can do something in this range, right? Like the, the young anime industry is really about kind of being more alternative and pushing past like any dumb regulations there are um so and they each kind of have just because the natural consequence of like the creatives at these places yeah they each have like a style or type of storytelling that they seem to tell you know mm -hmm. yeah but like oh. the the two studios that get two shorts um are both stylized really differently from you know, from one another and mm -hmm. are like pretty different uh, in tone i didn't realize and, they're yeah because 
Yep. These, um, the different directors have very different styles. Yep. Yeah. Um, like, so like the, my favorite one, the director, it's <laughs> the director. My favorite one is a very fun style that I love. Would, would that be uh, T.O.B. one? No, that happens to be the twins. No, it's the twins. Oh, the, oh yeah, 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 the twins. The twins, of course. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, like, that style, it's the, like, the exact same style in Primare, which was an original movie Studio Trigger released. Yeah, if you um, like the twins, watch Primare. Um, it it's good. Similar. Uh, and so, but, like, Studio Trigger's also done different, different genres um, besides that. And, but, like, yeah, the original projects especially kind of you can kind of tell what original studios do that way um where was i was there more questions yes i have um sounds like understanding anime and anime styles and tones kind of requires understanding japanese history to an extent is that true not really no not to like understand the distinct genres because like there's a lot of historical themed stuff that's in all genres across maybe not a sports anime i can't think of one but in like many other different genres right um but like i think a lot of manga draws from things that are quintessentially japanese um and we'll talk about later in this episode, but just like the way that like words have meaning behind them. Um, Like they, like, I think a a huge thing about anime and what makes an anime anime is that you can see the Japanese-ness in it. Um, Even if it takes place in a made up country or made up situation or 3000 years in the future, there's something that is like- It it always feels like it's actually, this is actually Japan. Right. And like, are there are things that are quintessential to like Japanese people that are infused in whatever group that's up here? Um, there's, but there's so many different types of anime, yeah. like Meg was saying. And also there's a lot of it that's like Japan is heavily, was heavily influenced by D&D in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that kind of an influence, the kind of quote unquote Western fantasy elements of it too, kind of mixed yeah. with Japanese culture as well. And colonialism. Uh-huh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely like uh, some stuff in anime where like no one context. That again. <laughs> There's definitely like um some stuff in anime where like knowing cultural context or historical context can help with stuff, but it's not necessarily needed yeah. for like yeah. most okay. stories. Yeah. It can just so, add extra levels. Yeah. If your answer to my understanding Japanese culture is really important here had been yes, my follow-up question is going to be like, what is there like are, do, are there some good books you would recommend? Like what resources to I wasn't prepared for that. books, but That's I can fair. make a list next time of, of resources. Ooh. Just like if, if someone's like, hey, I'm like really loving this series. And yeah, for sure. I'm like interested That'd be neat. in learning a little bit more about everything that goes into it. Mm-hmm. In the I, meantime, I, I recommend checking out Encyclopedia Episode 9. And you can learn about one specific subgenre of anime, which is magical girl anime, which is a great genre. I, I, I wonder who was, who was the guest on that one? Uh, <laughs> it, it was it was Meg. Heath. It was Meg. Yeah. Surprise! Wow. No, Kill surprise! Who could have guessed? Never would have. No. <laughs> <laughs> who who knew? 
Okay. Who to think? So Star Wars Visions, uh, which was the project that I've been waiting for since like, I don't know, age 13, um, is here because I love anime. And I think Star Wars Visions overall has like three really strong things that like separate it from other Star Wars. Um, And that's like the use of traditional music and instruments within like the score of everything. Yeah, I was going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, the instrument, the the arrangements and instrumentation of all of these tracks is really interesting to me because it's very much not Star Wars. And I think we've all. kind of, not at all. And I think we've kind of arrived at a place which really excites me musically where we have things like The Mandalorian, which is mm-hmm. also very not Star Wars a lot of the time. And this kind of just reinforced that. I think the the opportunity that composers are getting to go outside of the John Williams box, you know, that it have kind of been a template for just films in general, because people have a tremendous amount of respect for John Williams and his Mm -hmm. compositions, and it's deserved. He's a very good composer. But um, I I love personally that we're getting these kinds of more traditional instrument, like traditional anime instrumentation and arrangements of things, um, which just gives another... um, just an- another thing that shows to me that it's not very like quote unquote Western influenced, right? There's specific things for Japanese instrument. They they work on a completely different um, musical system. I'm gonna be a nerd for a second. Um, Go for it. We work, we work on a twelve to- what's called a twelve tone equal temperament system, which is like you know like the alphabet A B C D E F, mm-hmm. A sharp B sharp. Yeah, or, you know all that. And it work in a scale like that. They don't do that. Their scale is completely different, and their instruments are designed completely different to accommodate that scale. Um, which I'm not going to get into the the nitty gritty of how it's different because that'd be really boring. But um, oh, contraire! There's, there's something that you, I'm also not an expert in it, so I'm not gonna. You know, it kind of sounds like you are. So I'm not. I'm really not. <laughs> in in this space, you are. So. Yeah, commit to us. Sure. You are. But basically, Japanese instruments are so you they're played in so many different styles, even their um their wind instruments, their flutes, um, the different instrumentation. There's I think I heard uh shamisen, which is basically mm-hmm. like a guitar-like instrument, except it doesn't have any frets. Like the frets are the the markers on the neck. Um, and you play it with this big like windshield ice scraper looking thing that you slap against the body of the shamisen. And there's also I heard koto, which is a is a a, a thirteen stringed instrument, um, where it kind of gives that traditional like if you think of like kind of Eastern inspired music, like that's mm-hmm. probably the, the sound that you're thinking of. So there was a lot of that, which clearly gave me the impression of like, okay, there was not this is a very Japanese product, um, which I thought was really cool because I think Star Wars should experiment uh, more musically. Agree. I, and as someone I, who doesn't know shit about music, really, um, it's still, like, it doesn't feel not Star Wars, if that makes sense. Like, yes. it all fit yeah. perfectly. That is exactly what I was going to say. It's like, <laughs> it still felt like Star Wars music, but, like, not in the, like, I'm trying to be John Williams mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, Star like, Wars. not in the same way that, like, you know, Clone Wars does sound. It it. Right. For me, it matches the emotion and feeling yeah. of Star Wars music. The same thing with Mandalorian, right? It's the feeling yeah. of Star Wars music, what that music is supposed to like invoke in you uh, and make you feel, 
even if the instrumentation or piece of music in and of itself is completely different. Well, and I feel yeah. like it is, uh, you know, we can look at the visual differences of the different episodes and see visual differences but like every time I rewatch one of these more and more I'm like noticing the music and how like that is just as much of an effect on sort of the overall quote-unquote feeling of what each episode is and sort of that aesthetic um it's just so cool I'm dying for a soundtrack because I just want to be able to like isolate yeah. these tracks and listen to them and I I imagine it's because there are so so is seven different studios is that right Yes. I mean, it's just because oh, of yeah, seven different studios that is why they're not able to, why it hasn't been able to put, get put together yet. It's probably like Sounds an absolute right. nightmare lots to get everyone. Of, <laughs> but like, if we could get there, shit. oh man, yeah, because this, yeah. like, I would listen to this music all day. It's so good. Yeah, we'll get there. I will have so many things to talk about when we when we get to tattooing Rhapsody. But but <laughs> yes. yeah, that's why me, it's the last. Me too, episode. Ash. <laughs> yeah, all of us. I think. <laughs> no, no understand. spoilers. I've only watched. The ones that we're talking Ooh, about. Oh, I love that. Okay. Um, I, I don't have time to watch. Gonna, yeah, that's fair. It's a lot of anime. <laughs> I'm going to actually save this for next week. And let's just, because this isn't just for tonight. We'll save that for next week. Um, okay. So let's jump into the first and our first episode, which is The Duel from uh, Studio so Kamikaze Doga. So pretty. It was the best first episode of them to have i think oh yeah exactly like this is the look of it was the look the feel um the tone was so much traditional samurai tv and movies and it's like exactly you, which means it was um, very traditional star wars like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably what you think of if somebody to- immediately think of if somebody told you star wars anime right yeah yeah like, yeah yeah, it like looks that, like yeah. those action figures, you know, that they made a few years ago that were like samurai inspired Star Wars. The Akbar soul one isn't so isn't available for sale yet, and I'm dying. Oh. So I mean, I think that's so interesting that because again, it really speaks to sort of the the diversity of anime mm-hmm. genres. Because when because that is not what I would think of when you tell me Star Wars and like I I think the twins is the one that comes to mind. Is right, like the space. The, the sort of over the top the like really sort of cartoony caricature is just like it like really uh, uh you know very funny almost i don't know um but yeah again it's just there's just so many different ones right yeah i have to say i am a sucker for all black and white with very choice <laughs> use of color the uh, with cho- so choosing to have only the lightsabers and the droid lights and the crystals be like the colors in this perfect such a choice oh my gosh and what a gorgeous style the- the film grain yeah just mm. oh, well, oh it was so beautiful because at first it's like oh they're going for like an old school style thing and then like the droid shows up and it's like oh no it's they're just perfect choosing colors very yeah there's something really and interesting like, that i found that like the choice use of color the most uh uh obvious use of color was the lightsabers and lightsabers yeah. are one of the most important color references in star mm-hmm. wars mm-hmm <laughs> You know, you can mm-hmm. see a silhouette with just the colors and you know that one is the bad guy and one is the good guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it would be kind of hard, like, having colorless lightsabers, I guess. Yeah. Ahsoka. One of my favorite things about this But she's world, always was... using them against red sabers, right? So there's a clear, yeah, yeah. like... Yeah. Mm. I loved how it started up in the stars mm-hmm. in, like, a way that was like a, oh, like, I'm in Star Wars. This feels very familiar. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it went down to the planet 
and it's in black and white and there's film grain and it's anime and you're like oh this is very different from the star wars i'm used to but like i i thought that was like a really smart way to be like this is star wars mm-hmm. just not the way you're used to yeah oh, is there so so the, it, it first came up in this one and it came up in a lot of them where there was sort of this this almost reverence for like i identifying the allegiance of the individual based off the color of the lightsaber they had, right? Like, like he pulls out the red lightsaber and they go, oh, he's Sith, it's red. And like, yeah. obviously you've seen that in regular Star Wars too, or I don't know, regular, whatever, the, in, <laughs> in other Star Wars too. But but it, it just seems like there was a lot of emphasis on this idea yeah. of like color indicates is, is, allegiance. Yeah, and I'm a, curious, is, that, is there more yeah, to that and, than just Star Wars? Is that coming from somewhere? Um, yeah, I mean, not just color, but also like crest. Um, of the so samurai are usually working for daimyo which would be like government officials stuff like that um landholders like the rich and powerful people um in in like the area that you're in and so different daimyo had different symbols and each samurai would be loyal only to that daimyo so like there is obvious a clash because usually the the peace between them was shaky at best and so at any time right someone could step out of line or fight would break out or something like that and like it really is about um i mean it gets like i don't know overdone in modern western media but like they are so loyal and honor and care about like the honor of them of themselves as samurai and then also of the house that they work for um so like everyone knew who was for who i think when it comes to other um shorts it can also be specific to the studio and how they use color as well Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like it doesn't always mean the same thing but it is important that like the identification of of who you are when you are a warrior who do you swear your allegiance to who do you represent yep it's your identity yeah. yeah yep yeah because um, I guess I'm going to talk a little bit about this because the bandit, um, her lightsaber, the bandit chief, mm-hmm. um, has that umbrella feature. Yes. So the parasol lightsaber about. is so cool. Yeah. And so like samurai didn't actually make that much money. Like it wasn't really a well taken care of job. I mean, not as cool as we all think it is. Um, and so they used to make umbrellas on the side for cash because they were all made of like wood or bamboo um, and like heavy, not like light plastic or thin ones. And so they would often also use them as like makeshift weapons if they have to like break up a fight in the street or someone was caught shoplifting or something like that. Um, So it's not really unusual or like out of the question for her to have this parasol tight splitter for her lightsaber because like the umbrella moves are used in martial arts. I was wondering about that. Cause I was like, I'm sure there's some reason like an actual reason for it to be a parasol, but yep. I didn't know what it was. So I'm really, that's really cool. One yeah. of the most like interesting things I did karate as a kid. And one of the, mo- one of the things that we did a lot was talk about like cultural context behind the weapons and things that we used. Mm-hmm. And one of the most interesting things is like you, you, find out that like oh like a bow staff they weren't allowed to have weapons and stuff like that so like a bow staff is a rake (laughs) you know and they would do (laughs) you know and like tonfa is the 
thing with the handle and the long those were for i think i can't they were like um bits for oxen or something or yeah something yeah like that that stuff's always cool <laughs> And the parasol lightsaber just looks incredibly it cool. It looks baller. Like, it how looks so it, cool. When she jumps can... down and like uses it, oh, it's so good. Every like, time I'm like, they can't go with another lightsaber design. We've done them all no. now, right? And then someone manages to like... <laughs> More ridiculous wrong. lightsabers. I love the helicopter lightsabers. I... I... So, <laughs> me too. What I, loved, what I loved about this umbrella lightsaber is that helicopter lightsaber in Rebels got a lot of shit. Yeah. It was just like... I'm sorry, it did look ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I could not take it seriously. I feel like I feel like Star Wars expanding into these other art forms allows for like things like this to exist in a not comical way. Like mm-hmm. I didn't I did not have the same reaction to the umbrella lightsaber mm-hmm. as I did the helicopter lightsaber. Because they just made it look cool. <laughs> Right, just and the way like, cooler than the it, helicopter it, lights. Yeah, it's just it's just a different art form, and it it works in this art form, and it doesn't work in that art. Yeah, form. like I can imagine this exact same design would look stupid as Hell and Rebels. It would have been so stupid. Yeah, it's like it's the goofy helicopter and it takes the it is not quite. Yeah. Yeah, but like this is deadly, and it feels it that worked. Way. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of it has to do, I think, with the sound design as well. Yeah. For the, the sound umbrella. design of the lightsabers in this one was so cool. Yeah, it made it feel very visceral. Yeah. Um, so we all know the story. Ronan is having some tea with a Soliston, um, with with also Hat Droid, uh, who's fan favorite Hat Droid. Hat Droid. Hat Droid. Hat Droid. Um, he has a name because I'm reading Ronan, but like I, not in this short so hat droid is it h4t droid no god (laughs) i'd be so mad (laughs) um and he witnesses a a gang of like former imperial looking bandits come into town and of course they start bullying the villagers but the definitely like relative or son of the village chief you know, gets all of the guards to start firing instead. And these guards are so cool. So cool. <laughs> They're so cool. Like, we got... One was a grand. Had to pour one out for, yep. for Benjamin or so. <laughs> yeah, we got Tusken Raider. Um, the Doug piloting the hollowed out probe droid. <laughs> and then just a straight up cool droid with a Gatling gun. Right, right. And then <laughs> a hot as hell Trindoshin. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> great. And uh, we maybe don't need to pour one out because uh, very light spoiler for Ronan, but Regis was the one survivor of these guards. So the true hero of the village guards was, was the Regis. <laughs> I mean, I think even watching it, it survives. Yeah, yeah he's like the one survivor. Yeah, you he's see, like one because he like drops his weapons, like barrel yeah. rolls away. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and so when things start really getting rough and the Sith comes out, um, Ronan's like, all right, I guess I'll do something. <laughs> and he puts a tea kettle on and he tells the Sullustan that he needs to be fully operational by the time this pot boils. Ah! <laughs> that is the so cool. best line that anyone has ever uttered. <laughs> what? So cool. It was so cool. What a power move. And he just calmly walks 
into town. I'm going to start doing that in my day-to-day life. I'm just going to be like... <laughs> I need this done by the time this pot boils. <laughs> yes. I need I need the finance reports on my desk by the time this pot boils. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of life I live, you know? Like, Danny, you know, like, also Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm talking to myself. Maybe it's yeah. way to motivate myself. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, you. Yes, you in the mirror. <laughs> you need to go to the online portal and pay your bill for the last three pit therapy sessions before that pot boils. <laughs> so oh. we get... Hang on, I'll be right back. I have to okay. do something real quick. Okay. Do you have to put all the <laughs> They have to go pay some bills. They have to pay some bills. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Ronan goes up and faces the bandit and when she's swinging her lightsaber down he just stops it with his hands like you would like dramatic but clasping the sword between your hands for it to stop like not stabbing you in the face which is a very stereotypical move um two power moves in less than a minute right like you can you Mm. you just are able to do this which you don't touch it you do it and I yeah, thought that go. was like a really fun new force thing because like we had Kylo Ren like stopping the laser bolt, but then to actually let it up near you is even, that's so much more. <laughs> um, and then they have their lightsaber battle on a log on a river with a waterfall approaching, <laughs> which isn't, this isn't like a super common trope or anything. I feel like this was more a shout out to the death duel in episode three um, when they're in the lava. Yeah. Uh, Because, and as they're like, Ronan puts his sword away and everything and he presses a little button on the inside of his wrist and Hatdroid comes to the rescue of the entire town, rounding up all of those like, Ex stormtrooper bandit boys. Just at um, the moment that the Sith lady is falling off the waterfall, saying, "You were my brother, Ronan." <laughs> I loved you. <laughs> I knew you for about two minutes. <laughs> we're both Sith. Come on. Um, and so he does this kind of trap in order to kill her, where there's a little shrine underneath or behind a waterfall. And he sets up his lightsaber so it'll go off while the statue's holding it. And she thinks it's, she slices it down and he instead can come up from behind and kill her. And like that kind of like deception and like trick and like booby traps are all really, really common in samurai Um in samurai movies and stuff like that. Like it's, we, we usually think of a lot of like hand-to-hand sword combat, right? Um, but actually the first line is always like going to try to be traps or tricks and then fighting comes as like the last option. Um, so we are just left with so many questions after this one. <laughs> uh, like, why does he have red lightsaber? What's he doing all those kyber crystals? What's his mission? What's his second sword? What ha- what's Hatdroid's name? If like- only we had some form of media that could clear up more of these questions. <laughs> Feels like there's more story to be told here. I feel like we do need to take a second to acknowledge the 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 lightsaber with the sheath. 
I think it's perfect. Oh yeah, it's because the lightsaber is broken. Yeah, so he has to have it in the in the scabbard, which is so cool. Yeah, in so I don't I didn't see if it was an interview or whatever, but it's described in like the first page of Ronin. (laughs) It was on like like yeah, it's in one of the. um, It could have been like an excerpt, right? Samples or something. Yeah, yeah. Like I think Tom and Emma were talking about on Twitter or something. Emma the Mm. writer, Mm -hmm. um, and Tom from Delray. so yeah, that's not a spoiler. <laughs> that's out there information. Yeah, yeah. And it's very cool. Very cool. Okay, so the second episode tonight is The Elder by Studio Trigger. And this is the one that I think people are more surprised is Studio Trigger because it is not their usual bright colors, round style. It's very different, yeah. Aggressive neon, um, right? This is very earth tone, very simple, um and like a very different kind of action and like mood in the piece um but this one is a much more of like jedi we understand and jedi we're familiar with and then like some samurai movie flair sprinkled on top um and i so i watched both the english and japanese audio tracks um which like there is some translation things that kind of um, don't fit exactly, but I can understand why they did it that way Um, or would take more like cultural competence in order for it to make sense to use in the English version. Um, But like this one wasn't too bad, but like Dan's attitude is a lot more like docile in English than in Japanese. Like, in Japanese, his tone of voice is like much more playful and confident and like sarcastic. And like he's described as such in the Amer- in the English version, but he doesn't really act like that or reflect that. I noticed that too. So I watched English first and then Japanese second. And when I was watching it, it was just like, this doesn't, what is happening here? Yeah. <laughs> like Dan is- and then I heard the Japanese. So I was like, oh, okay. So the English voice actor just didn't read the script before reading the line. Like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> right. Like very different tone for sure. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah. So there's that. That's always going to be an issue when it comes to like dubbing um, or translating over uh, work not in your country's primary language yeah can we talk about that for a second because because yeah. my like i my instinct was to watch english first obviously because i english native speaker and i was mm. also just like so surprised by so many of the names that they have in the voice cast which is a thing um but i it, it really i really did was was glad that i you know some people talking about it and went back and watched it in japanese because it did like that totally changed the experience of the sort of the the aesthetic as well just mm-hmm. like because exactly like you're describing here, like some, the the tone was different and it just like, you could feel like the characters almost seemed like I was watching different characters acting out the same story just based off of like the way that the voices were being acted. It's very interesting. Yeah, um, for yeah, sure. Yeah, different voice direction because like obviously the voice director of uh, Japanese stuff can't necessarily do the English voice direction either. Mm-hmm. I mean, as well um, all the time. So a lot of the time you get I mean, the more true intent kind of of the characters in the uh original version i mean that's the eternal thing right it's like dubs have gotten the dub versus better sub. yeah, yeah. the dubs have gotten better and right. like some people can't watch, so much better can't watch subs i can't watch subs because i can't because i'm dyslexic and i ha- i can't process i have to mm-hmm. watch it in english but um yeah but it's still a lot of the time it's 
It's the same thing with like when they localize video games and stuff. Right. Cultural context sometimes makes translating things really difficult. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I watched in um, Japanese originally because like I already have to watch with subtitles. I can't watch things without subtitles. So I was like, might as well listen to it in Japanese first um, and then watch it in English. And yeah, like you can tell there are differences. Um, but I think if you just watch like one or the other, that's not going to be as obvious. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said, and I'm not the. I was. I didn't think of this at first, and I actually think it was Maya who who pointed out that like there's something to be said about the difference between having like people whose jobs and careers are voice actors doing the voice acting versus getting a bunch of big names that we all know from live action television and using right. that as sort of like a draw yeah. to watch it, even though like it's a totally different art, like acting yeah. on screen versus doing voice as, acting. Oh, very different. As we yeah. learned from Marvel's What If, sometimes people who can act really well on screen <laughs> cannot voice act. Right, it's a very, very different skill. Disney Plus these last right. couple of months. It's a, it's a. You've got to, you've got to put your whole acting into your voice. Yeah, which and is like a very different skill. And like, I think what's really helped with dubs has been that voice acting in the U.S. has like started becoming more serious, like a more serious and like respected industry, mm-hmm. and so people have been able to go into it. Um, who might not otherwise had a chance before just with how small everything was um because yeah, was like very insular yeah but like voice actors in japan are not treated as like extremely different like they are widely respected like they study for years to be become voice actors and like and it's like most really of the, serious most of the anime and video game voiceover stuff you're getting paid at like sag scale yeah, um, yeah, you're, you're not getting, getting paid, paid like two hundred dollars. Well. They've got like, and like you're like um going in and screaming for an hour and ruining your voice and stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah. it's really not it's what we're really rough in Western. Yeah. It's really rough. I remember because I used to want to be one, and then I yeah. actually found out what it's like, and I was like, never mind. <laughs> it's bad. It's rough. It's rough. It's not good. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. So I. I will also just just punctuate this conversation by saying that I have actually started taking voice lessons myself uh, because I I was not planning to as part of my gender journey, but I have a friend who has gotten into offering voice lessons to trans people and and the amount of muscles, teeny tiny (laughs) muscles that go into changing and modulating your voice that you have absolutely no idea how to control if you've never thought about it and worked at it like it's amazing like I like by exploring my voice and thinking about how to change the tone of my voice even just a little bit like I have learned I have gained so much respect for people that make a career out of this and mm-hmm. and the fact mm-hmm. that they're making a pittance is really really shitty yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's rough I've mixed things yeah. before where it's just like here we need you to edit this person that screamed into a microphone for an hour <laughs> straight no Ash that's music yeah. that's different <laughs> Ash is not very happy right I'm now. I'm getting a look. <laughs> You're getting very, I'm an audio professional, Danny. I have layers. <laughs> I- <laughs> okay, nerd. Like, let's... <laughs> oh, okay. So in this, I definitely think that this was a good opportunity um, while we see um, Dan and Tajin interact to kind of talk about the samurai's connection with like Buddhism and Zen and how much that influences like what we, what Jedi are presented as Um, because like Zen meditation was a staple for samurai to center and focus themselves between like battles. And 
Buddhism's belief in reincarnation steered samurai samurai away from like torture and like needless killing of innocents and like other like super violent stuff and then a lot of uh, the samurai like stopped killing and like ones who retired also like became buddhist monks so you can kind of see how jedi practices of meditation and mercy and um (laughs) have have been influenced by like the specific way that samurai were um and like kind of also the path of of jedi is that they have this period where they are the warriors and then they kind of move into this like mentor um bookish role um and like really try to commune nerd. with the force or you know meditate for whatever it is you need to do for for buddhism so anyway dan's really cute yeah these very the much felt like um it's really cute these these very much felt like um the kind of jedi that the jedi would have been like before right before the prequels like it's kind of the same vibe as the books about jedi in their era were yeah um like in old legends like very similar vibe to like obi-wan and um qui-gon like in yeah. jedi academy or whatever i definitely felt like these jedi felt more like high republic jedi than like our our modern era <laughs> yeah the, the, the war the clone wars jedi yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely like in that more era of like peace that they had. Right. And like the exploration and kind of like really broadening out to further than before. Right. Because it is just about like what the Republic needs. Yeah. All right. And yeah, Dan is really cute with the kids. Dan's so cute <laughs> with the kids. Um, so we find out from the townspeople that the, a mysterious elder showed up and left his ship there and went off into the mountains. And uh, from this description, Master Tajin is very worried. Um, The feeling that he felt the disturbance in the force that led them to this planet, he can't feel it anymore, which means that probably the elder knows that they're there and he's hiding himself on purpose. So no element of surprise, baby. That seems fine. Yeah. Sure, he's just a normal, normal dude, just doing normal dude things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a normal dude who crash landed on a planet. (laughs) And uh, so they decide to split up, which was there's mistake number one. Um, And Master Tajin is going to stay with the ship while Dan goes up into the mountains to try to find him. Dan's very much like, I want to do something with action in the way that Padawans do. Right, like <laughs> I, I can help. I can take it. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm gonna be a Jedi. It's like no, I can please. do things, baby boy. Please. Um. So Master Tajin says that the ship looks like an old style Sith ship, but like nothing that's current. Sure, this random traveler just stumbled upon it. It's fine. Sometimes we end up with Sith ships. <laughs> Ask Arika Quell. <laughs> Right. Yeah, sometimes you end up with the ships. Literally happened. <laughs> How was I supposed to know that this car that I bought with the swastikas all over it used to be? Who among us? What do you want me to do? Pay over them? My car? Are you kidding me? Too much money, that'd be. Do you know how I 
Do you know how much time they spent putting those on there? <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. okay. Historical artifact. <laughs> so, so Dan finds an animal killed by a lightsaber. And Tajin's like, you need to leave right now. But Ashik's And Dan's like, no, nah, let me find just one or two more warning signs before I get out of here. Mm-mm. So it's Grandpa. Uh. Um, he is more... A fucked Venison. up looking man. <laughs> yeah. One yeah, fucked up looking man. Yeah. Um, and I just, uh, um, he is, he's kind of alluding to the fact that like Sith have a set of rules and constraints or like tradition. And he has gone beyond that and like deeper into the dark side of the force than the Sith. That just sounds like a very hipster thing. Just like, that's such a like, Sith thing like to the say. Scientist that yeah. found a blacker black than black. Like, <laughs> yeah. what are you talking about? It's just black. It's just black. No, it's it's just you're just saying you're just a Sith. That's just what a Sith is. Oh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm more Sith. Sith. I'm more Sith than any other Sith. <laughs> I've transcended the Sith. Yeah. Uh, so for the Elder. Um, I just want to say that his lightsaber blades are styled off of twin Kodachi, um, which are a slightly shorter sword than like a full size katana, and they're ideal for dual wielding. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Dan gets hurt because, of course, he does. Surprise. And Master Tajin arrives and I he died. <laughs> yeah, I thought he we was all dead. We all did. Yeah. Straight little like you got killed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the rain starts falling. And this is like a really common setting for like the final battle uh, between the antagonists you were going after all along. Um, because like they're usually in these wide open fields with like ankle high grass. And <laughs> oftentimes it's dark or at dusk or at dawn. Um, and like it'll start to rain to like increase difficulty. Um, so like this, yeah. Question. So does that mean that Jurassic Park was a samurai film? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, yeah, you're right. That's a different episode of Robot. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon exclusive. Um, so like this is super common. This is so traditional to see in like a final samurai duel. Um, and like the way that they moved with like them taking their long circles to assess each other um, and how they kind of have these spaces between attacks because their attacks are just supposed to be fast and powerful and not any extra movement given them besides what you actually need to do in order to make the hit. Um, So like very traditional in all of this, but with sweet ass lightsabers um and like the way they move makes a lot of sense because like the samurai were usually like had armor on if they were out in the field but otherwise like a samurai's outfit like the hakama and the the top are so heavy there are multiple layers you would be burdened in movement just like jedi are like wearing their long robes um so just it felt pretty authentic for like this is a samurai movie um type of flair um and so of course the elder loses and then he turns into mud which i thought was cool (laughs) so cool (laughs) 
This little man has been holding himself together with the dark side for like centuries, so. probably. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, so Dan heals up. Thank goodness. Dan oh, deserves thank God. a second I was so chance. relieved that he was still alive. I was like, no, I don't want this man to lose his Padawan. Right. He's such a nice man. Yeah. And like the Padawan meant so well. Yeah. Dan was a good boy. Is a good boy. He's alive. He's still a good boy. He's fine. Yeah. And Master Tajin talks about how, like, he didn't really win that fight. Um, you know, more so than his skill, it was that the elder is old and was weakened by just the sheer amount of years that they've lived. And that, like, it's going to continue that as Dan gets stronger, he's going to become weaker. And that's like the way of things. Um, And, you know, he goes and he asks Dan, well, he tells Dan that like, no matter how powerful you'll become, it won't last forever. And it's not that power doesn't matter, but it only matters to protect those without it. And it was like "Mm, quintessential Jedi food. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this. This fed me well for someone who loves like Master Padawan stuff. It was good, Master Padawan. It was stuff. good. It was yeah. very good. And like he tells Dan, "Don't forget your training and your kindness." Oh, bless. Um, I love him. I haven't watched. Okay, so I think I think for me, I think watching the Japanese, if possible, I would highly recommend because there's just voice work. Um, in there that just does not translate into the English version. Okay, so the last one we're going to talk about tonight is the ninth installment, which is Akakiri by Science Saru. I think this was one of my favorite ones. I really liked it. The style yeah. is just really cool. The style is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, worth noting, this is the, like, when you watch Minoru, this is the last one, and woof! What? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. We'll what a final it, one! But what I a was, note to end on! What? I was very surprised about that choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We can talk about at the end what we think our ideal order would be. Um, but so Akakiri is unique is that it's the only episode that has a Japanese name. Um, and as with most Japanese words, it has multiple meanings and a lot of thought was put into choosing the the kanji and the word for it because it does mean something specific. Um, So for akakiri itself, um, the word can mean custody, but not like ownership that we think of it, but more like how you are connected and tied and obligated to certain people in your life. Um, And then the kanji that's used are the characters for aka, which is red, and then Kiri, which is fog, which is like represented in all of the red haze in Subaki's visions um, about Misa. Um, Thank you for defining that, because I every time I watch through this, I'm like, okay, what? Where is the Akakiri? Is it is it yeah. someone's name that I'm not realizing? Like, mm. what is this? <laughs> <So>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like more name meanings, word meanings. Uh, Subaki, the main dude. Um, Asubaki is the Japanese word for camellia, which is a flower, and it symbolizes a warrior's bad luck because, like, <laughs> petals don't just fall off, it kind of falls apart all at once. That Those flowers really fall apart. <laughs> yeah, yep. Um, <laughs> and, like, the red camomile, the 
Camellia in particular refers to love, but like the longing and unattainable kind, which again <laughs> is what we see oh. in this story. Man, they really set this whole story up with the names. Right. Yeah. Uh, Misa, who is the main woman in this, um, her me- name means a beautiful flower bloom or help. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Which a L- uh, little on the nose with that one. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing is that in a lot of things that have traditional Japanese names and like anime and like manga, um, there is a huge significance about why they're named this way. And it reveals something about the character or about the story. You really just don't get naming like that in in Western stuff. Like English does not have that. No, this guy's named Jart. Like I don't... (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Jart. Nord Candide. Like it's just... Hey... (laughs) Don't Leave Nord out Nord. of this. Don't Nord. <laughs> Leave Nord alone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, yes, th- there is, there's great value to having names that have deep meanings, double layers. But there's, but great there's also great value to having names that you put, pulled like out of just random letters assembled together and thought that they sounded funny. Yeah. <laughs> Both are valid. Both Neither things have merit. The other. Yeah. So, um, Honestly, I think stylistically, it was definitely one of the, like, the most unique, like, even amongst anime, like, I think it's definitely a much more unique style. That's why Um, I like this so much, I think, was the style was just really unique and cool. Yeah, but I think, like, this is the weakest story that we get. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Like, it's very reminiscent of, like, Padme and Anakin in some ways. Um, yeah, that was, I, I almost felt like it was the, the premise. They sat down in the room and said, what if we told Anakin and Padme, but like shorter. Right. Uh, it also I felt kind of like um, Obi-Wan tragic. Satine. Yeah, that too. Obi-Wan Satine, but like more tragic. What if we told that story, but then never showed the end of it? Right, and <laughs> <Yeah>. it sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which, I mean, again, it, it kind of... I agree. It wasn't my favorite of, as far as stories mm-hmm. go, but I, I do like that idea of just different ways to interpret. Like we haven't even talked, we haven't said the word canon once yet in this podcast episode. Thank the Lord. But and and actually, I'm hoping we can talk a little bit about that maybe at the end here, because because Meg, you and I talked off off mic a yeah. while back about sort of the way that Japanese storytellers and media consumers just see this idea of canon so differently and this is not a word in their vocabulary and so i like that idea of this studio sitting down and saying not like we're going to tell a story set in the star wars universe we're going to set a story we're going to tell a story about star wars and what star one thing that star wars is is the story of anakin and padme so we're going to tell our own story that is that you know yeah so i'll say i think this one was my favorite of the three honestly i think i left it just like wondering what was going to happen next mm-hmm. and I kind of love that as a standalone mm-hmm. story like a, I don't like yeah was this kind of a retelling of Anakin and Padme sure but like what happens next like right, it might right. be totally different yeah like well I mean it's such also a what happened before like well the fact she lived yeah very brief glimpses into right like yeah I I think I think we we saw a very brief glimpse into the story of these two characters that yeah. mirrored Anakin and Padme for sure, but like, what's the rest of the story? And I felt just like really intrigued by that in a way that like, I don't know, just like made me start to create little head cannons for myself. And like, I, I don't <laughs> know, like for me, like that made this like 
a good yeah story that mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. more than an imagination the other two. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I really like this one. I like that. Yeah, there's so much that could happen from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it really does get your mind going. I think more than some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, like I think I think if you take it for just like exactly what it is, it's like a oh you're I get it. It's Annika and Padme, but like right. Well, it, and, I mean, I think that is sort of uh, I, fandom. I mean, like I think that's one of the problems with fandom is that so much of what we're looking for in stories and i'm i'm absolutely yeah. guilty of this too when i like think about the sort of stories that i want or when i like i get excited about like we're looking to fill in facts we're looking to find the facts of what happened here to here like yeah. we want plot and like that's the, like at the end of the day what i remember about the stories that i love the most isn't the plot of the character and like maybe and this is fresh off the news about like these Obi-Wan Kenobi books and like, yeah. sure, like it's very Star Wars to be like, we're going to tell the story of the business on Cage and Nymoidia, the throwaway line from the movie. And also like, we don't necessarily need to know that. Like, I, I trust this author. And I'm very excited about the book. Like, I think he has a good story to tell that isn't just like filling in a gap. So I, it's not the best example for the point I'm making. But the point being that like, we get so fixated on like filling in facts that like, sometimes I, the best thing a story can do is trigger your imagination and, and, just open the door for you then to sort of imagine what comes next. I mean, I'm, we all know I'm a fan of tragedy. I'm also a fan mm-hmm. of uh, a lack of closure and this gave me both. <laughs> it's perfect for you. Danny, I yeah. think you're exactly right. Where like you get into fandom and like there are Anakin and Padme stands who would like start to read into this uh, like, well, it fixed this about the story. Anyway, let's talk about how we got to see a B-Wing. We got yeah, to see a B-Wing. I was so excited by the B-Wing. <laughs> and then... Never again. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, and We're then... not allowed to have nice things. <laughs> I was so excited and then... It crashed. Oh. It crashed real bad. Right, right in my heart. Who was that? Chastin Chaddick? Probably. But I think it's probably not a coincidence that the creatures they were riding kind of looked like chickens. Yep. Which were the inspiration <laughs> for B-Wings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They were Science they were Aru, this is the rogue pattern is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yes. they know they know B-Wings are chickens. I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> 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 um, we also got a shout out to Tuka Cats. Yay. Yeah. Love a Tuka Cat. Yeah, yeah. And like, again, this story really just comes down to what is fated, what is destiny, and like, what can you change? Um, Because, right, he acted, like, Subaki acted because of these possible visions of the future, Um, but because he went on this path, they did happen. She did die because he accidentally murdered her. Um, Yeah. But, like, you know, what is, it seems like as a Jedi, He's, t- he's taught that like nothing is written, that you still have the power to impact the future. And like the, the Sith woman, uh, Masago says that, no, dis- destiny's written, it's final. And if I see it, then like, it's gonna happen. I am, um, one trope I really like in Star Wars is Jedi seeing visions and being like, I have to stop this. And because they're trying to influence it, they cause it. I love that shit so much. Like every time they do it every single time, every time. And again, this was a 13 minute episode and half of it was just C3PO and R2D2 shenanigans. And like the, the, um, 
like there's the flashback that shows him talking to his master and mm-hmm. and being like my destiny is your destiny is written and him like, doesn't have to be and then the girl walks away comes back he kills her he pledges them to the dark side walks away that's like three minutes from from the the vision to yeah. the end of that episode and like that is that's the entire plot of revenge of the sith in three minutes and it yeah. impacted me <laughs> maybe more than when i watched that movie <laughs> <laughs> drawing it out two hours it's just it was incredible like the efficiency of storytelling happening it's just like that how yeah like i really think that just i think the voice acting in this one was actually pretty good mm-hmm. um uh except subaki kind of sounds like alucard and so that kind of threw me off a little bit <laughs> oh boy i was watching this and I'm cursed just by the nature of who I am. I'm right. cursed of every time I watch an anime being like, oh, that at that actor's from Fire Emblem. <laughs> Perfect. So I'm just sitting here, I'm like, hey, that's that's this character from Fire Emblem. That sounds so that sounds like a that sounds like an Ash problem. <laughs> Was it? No, it's exclusively an Ash problem. Yes. <laughs> Was it the Sith Mage this being the only had, super um... fan of Fire Emblem? Yeah. Was it yeah, the, the Sith in this one that, that sounded like um that what did it sound like? That was the voice actress of Shadow Weaver, or was that a different? It was. Anime? Yep, that was it her. Was. She was yeah. Because the... I heard her, and I was just like, Shadow Weaver, because I yeah. watched She Ra again recently, and I recognized that voice instantly. It's a great voice. It is a great voice. Meg, have you watched all of these in both the original and the dub? I haven't watched. I've been watching the dub as I do the show notes. Um, so okay. I haven't watched the dub. I've watched the Japanese. Um, I think like three times through now um yeah he, it's just on i don't have to pay that much attention because i Meg loves mm, anime i know what they're saying and meg loves anime say <laughs> so how many hours have you spent watching phillies games in the last two weeks who went to turn phillies <laughs> game on when it wasn't even on Not much we all, they didn't we all make find the time we yeah, all find there was time nothing the to watch of them <laughs> yeah that was rude danny it's the oh, playoffs and they I, didn't make the playoffs <laughs> i accidentally rubbed in a sports thing as if i were a fan of an opposing team <laughs> There hasn't been much to watch recently. Point being, <laughs> we find time for the things we love. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I think also one kind of my complaint about this one is that, like, it was more noticeable than in others, but the villains were all non-humans. Mm-hmm. And everyone else, humans, including R2 and 3PO. Um, so that's an issue. Um, and also, like, why the big lady gotta be Sith? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why'd she gotta be the evil one? The masculine one? The large one? Yeah. yeah. Not great. So, that's not a unique issue in Japan. Um, yeah. But we can talk about that on a different episode. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's a long conversation. I mean, I guess is the question of, is the Sith really bad in this one? Is it really evil to bring people back from death? Right. She <laughs> saved her sister yeah i mean right. yes not not i mean it depends on what issue. else Obviously, she does. she's meant to be the villain and she's yeah right yeah if if you go i'm just to saying if i side... get given the ability to bring people back from death i might go down that road too so <laughs> call me yeah, evil, i'm not I saying guess. i wouldn't yeah right it if, depends if on you what go else to the you dark do side, I, I was just gonna say like if you go to the dark side to bring some to bring someone back from death how far down that path do you go after they're brought back is i think the moral yeah. question just walk it back after that yeah but the whole point of like Thank revenge of the sith yeah. is that it's a slippery slope right i think and it is because it he all... does go very dark side like instantly yeah 
<laughs> fear is the path to the dark side. Fear yeah. leads to hate. <laughs> or fear leads to anger. Anger leads no, to hate. Hate leads you to just, You just bow down and you're like, yeah, I'm totally your apprentice now. Bring them back. <laughs> Team Sith. <laughs> Are you, oh, yes. Apprentice. Please, master please bring them back and then bring them back and then you just stand up and kill the guy you kill the guy it's like well that's we that's, how sith, that's that's the problem people get allured by the dark side that's why there can only yeah. be two sith the master and apprentice no no no. i think we're onto something here the plan of bowing down to the most powerful sith in the galaxy pledging yourself to them and then changing your joke. mind and then just striking them joke. down as if it's that easy <laughs> as a joke <laughs> Dude, somewhere, gotcha. April somewhere, you pranked, somewhere, uh, somewhere, our dear friend Binner so just stood up and was like, "Something's wrong." <laughs> I want the Revenge of the They're Sith cut where Ganon. Revenge of the Sith cut where Vader brings Padme back to life and then goes, "April Fools," <laughs> and kills Palpatine. That would be amazing. Bitch, you've been played. You know, like the Marvel What If shows. I think we need a Star Wars What If. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, we, we actually do. need a Star Wars What If. But, but with ideas, the fandom hasn't been insufferable enough about visions. But with ideas only from Rogue Padre. Okay, yeah, that or only Rogue Padre. Like, Hire us. It is. It is made by us. Yeah, that would like, be so good. What it would be so our, funny. That's our next audio drama project. Great. Love Star it. Wars What If. Yeah. Um. So any. Does anybody else have any other points about the three shorts that we've talked about tonight? No, I loved all three. Cool. I and I'm I don't know how much I'll love the rest of them. I feel mm-hmm. like this was maybe front loaded to the anime I will love, mm-hmm. but I loved all of them. Yeah, They're very good. For sure. <sighs> okay. Um, so one last bit. Heath asked me to do this part, so absolutely. But so if you liked these shorts, try watching these anime. <laughs> um, so Golden Kamuy. Did you type all this since we started recording? No, I already had this ready. Oh, I thought you said you were going to do this, this next week. No, the books. No, the the books. Oh, he she just asked me to already. make book recommendations and anime recommendations. I, I keep giving Meg homework. He asked okay. me this before, but like this is also like a very Got good it. thing for everybody. This is, no, yeah, this know? is great. Yeah. Me- yeah. Meg, Meg. The books was just for me. Don't do that for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I, I can I can use Google for that. <laughs> so Golden Kamui um, is also by Geno Studio, who does Lop and Ocho. Um, and so Golden Kamui is a historical drama taking place mostly in Hokkaido, which is the northernmost island in Japan. Um, and it's right after the end of the Russo-Japanese War around 1905. Um, and so the main character, Sukimoto Sachi, is a veteran from the war, uh, trying to readjust to his life and take care of his comrade's widow and, oh, like, no. just oh. trying to survive. Oh, no. <laughs> and so the show revolves around the Ainu people. Um, the Ainu are indigenous peoples um, of Japan, of especially of Hokkaido in northern Japan. Um, and so they have their own, like, culture and language they were definitely prosecuted uh, persecuted by you know what we think of as east asia and japanese um and but this show like revolves around that culture and kind of celebrates that culture um and it also like goes into the struggles of like war veterans of survivor's guilt 
um, penance, morality, colonization, and like the modernization, westernization of Japan, because this is a right about it when it kind of starts opening up again. Um, Sounds really chill and lighthearted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this Sounds is like a, a great time. <laughs> this is a really good anime, but it is very serious. Like historical drama is the correct term for it. Watch this one with Teddy Heath. Maybe in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> um, a more fun I don't one. Think, I don't think neither he nor I are ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> really fair. There is some brutal scenes for sure. Um, All right. Because it's very historically accurate. Um, anyway, more fun would be Samurai Shampoo. <laughs> and so I can talk about this one because I've seen this one. <laughs> yeah, if you want to. No, I'm kidding. I wasn't. Um, I was just. I was like, oh, I can contribute to this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so Samurai Shampoo is from the creators of Cowboy Bebop, which is soon getting a Netflix movie starring all of John Cho. Um, and this story takes place in like an alternate Edo period of Japan, um, and it has like hip hop and modern culture flair and references in the story as well kind of like how cowboy bebop is a western but with some space thrown in um and so it's a rogue swordsman named mugen and a serious ronin named Jin, and they accompany a woman in her quest to find a particular samurai from her past um and it seems like that's a very easy thing to do but of course it's not um but like i think the world is so cool the animation is great um and just like oh really as always is from yeah. this production team is amazing yeah so i think that's another one that like i think everyone will like it's a really good shampoo is really easy to get into it's, right. a, it's a good you know starting point yeah and it's not too uh hardcore i guess it's yeah pretty, it's not you know, it's not it's very good it's very good also cowboy bebop is so good <laughs> but, um so another recommendation, because it's very accessible, because it's very popular right now, is Demon Slayer or Kimetsu no Yaiba. Um, season two is starting in the winter. So, But this one is set in Taisho era Japan, which is uh, 1912 to 1926. Uh, but basically, at that time, Japan's presence was rising internationally. So kind of a boom of liberalism and Western ideas and cities but still like the rural parts of Japan were so far away from what was happening in the cities. Um, and so one of these rural families is attacked by a demon, leaving only two survivors, kind of, because it's Tanjiro and his little sister Nezuko, who has become a demon herself. Um, so Tanjiro trains to join like the official organization of demon slayers um, in order to find a way to turn his sister back to normal. Um, the animation in this one is gorgeous. Um, the attack moves are the best. Um, all the characters are also pretty likable. It's not, it has its points of like being very emotional, but also a lot of like lightheartedness. Um, it's definitely reminiscent of like the, the kind of typical shonen anime of like, um, Dragon Ball Z kind of, um, but like it really is. I it's just a really good one. It's a really good one, and it has really good like master 
and apprentice relationships. Um, it has a, it's like really nice spin on like, this is how Taisho era Japan is, except there's also demons, um, which is like all of these were like, this is Star Wars in Japan. <laughs> um, so, and like it's streaming on like everywhere now. So very, very accessible. Um, Samurai 7 is a, obviously a movie by Kurosawa, um, but they had a anime adaptation in 2004. Um, and so it's set in the far future, um, but still with traditional Japanese aesthetics. And like Samurai 7, like a lot of Westerns and Samurai movies, a small village is terrorized by bandits. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. Um, and the bandits are former Samurai who integrated machines into their bodies um, during the previous war so they could win. And then, uh, so three members of the town go out to find like Samurai who are willing to help them but only be paid in rice. Um, and like, this is the exact plot of that first Omera episode in The Mandalorian. I was about to say, it sounded familiar. It's the exact same plot, which that extremely heavily influenced by a samurai movie, by a Western, like so stereotypical. Um, and then my last recommendation uh, is Berserk. Uh, and it's set in medieval Europe-inspired fantasy world. And the main character, Guts, <laughs> is a mercenary and, like, reluctant anti-hero. Um, and, like, it's pretty dark and, like, pretty violent. Uh, but, like, the storytelling and the character development is really emphasized. So it's not, like, your typical hack and slash action mindless kind of stuff. Um, and, like, the creator of Berserk, Miura Kentaro passed away earlier this year. Um, but like Berserk has been going and was is still currently going with the work that um, Miura Sensei left behind. Like it's been going since 1989. So hmm. it's extremely like influential and impactful for like anime and manga fans. I feel like it is uh, necessary to say though, Berserk is extremely violent. Yeah. <laughs> like it can be uncomfortably violent. For sure. For sure it is. Yeah. But um, those are, oh my God. Uh, those are my recommendations for this week. I'll have new ones each week pertaining kind of to the kinds of episodes that we watch. Um, all my recommendations are, you know, heavy on Japanese theming, um, especially with like samurai movie traditions and aesthetic um, and like have good master apprentice relationships um or like kind of this band together um we're all we're all kind of outcasts but we're all have honor kind of attitude so i'm yeah. excited to see if any recommendations that come up with things i've seen <laughs> yeah <laughs> meg i think uh, that we all know that whenever you are a rogue leader you put a lot of work into creating the show notes but just like I think this might be our first educational episode of the podcast. It was very educational, yeah. Like, yeah, I learned great. so much tonight, and I just feel so grateful that we have an in-house expert on this genre yeah. to be able to cover this show. Like, this is so cool, and, and so thanks for sharing so much thanks. with us tonight. Thank you, Meg. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Meg. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a great intersection for me because it's Star Wars, anime, which I've been into since I was 10 years old, and... Japanese like 
culture and history, which Mm -hmm. I studied in undergrad. So I'm like, I got it. (laughs) Wow, we can advertise ourselves as a serious podcast. Mm-hmm. with this episode we can be like this is a serious podcast i mean like a... some of the talk in between is not so serious i mean yeah but... save this one for our live show application just, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah 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 True. <laughs> <laughs> so true. um what are all these reviews okay wait we're not reviews yet <clears throat> i gotta do my bit oh okay they bit. were pasted in after outros yeah okay you can find us on Twitter at RoguePodron. Our email is RoguePodron at gmail.com. Our website is RoguePodron.com. Uh, oh, no, I spent the entire episode being like, I need to think of a funny Patreon thing, and then I never did. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to learn more about anime, you can subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash and you can add us at our Discord, which you will get access to. Um, you can ask me my opinions on anime, which are very uh, weird because I have very little experience. Yeah, and I will talk to you about race. Evangelion, I'm sure, though. Well, yeah, I can talk to you about start... Evangelion if you want. Are we going to start anime? <laughs> like, <something? laughs> Hey, people might want to join our Patreon for that. I don't know. If you if subscribe either. to our Patreon, you might get an exclusive episode that's just me rambling about Cowboy Bebop for 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> hey, Meg, you want to... You just maintaining the wiki people. page of all the broken promises we've made because I'm just going to go ahead and add that one right now. <laughs> too many. I said might. I didn't say would. You always say might. That's why it's never a promise might, or yeah, a lie. Might, might is not a promise. We, we say might about a lot of things on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, and sometimes <laughs> late at night when you're watching Toonami or whatever it is, um, <laughs> in between, in between the shows, the weird shows, you'll get little snippets of Rogue Quadrant. <laughs> and you you on iTunes, please. It's just this podcast. I do not. We heard there was a weeb on this podcast. We're really trailblazers <laughs> when it comes to marketing. Yeah, yeah. Is Tsunami still alive? I'm pretty sure it is. I think it is. Yeah. It just came back like a year ago. Yeah. Oh, look at me go. Look the at me space go. dandy and all that. I'm relevant. Um, and we do reviews. We do reviews. I'm relevant. I'm relevant. That's a good attitude. I don't know where I pulled Toonami out of when I did that. Cartoon Network. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking of staying up late and watching anime when I was a kid. Mm. You know? Those were good times. Um, we have reviews, which we got while Danny was on break and none of us we're checking reviews so thank you everyone um i will read them <laughs> i don't think any of us knew how to do that. do i just I go know. on itunes and look i <laughs> danny's so done with us you anyway. literally go on the itunes and <laughs> type in the words rogue podrin <laughs> <laughs> okay gamble oh. approved podcast podcast five stars five stars by sd star uh, a go-to for all of the breaking yaddle and yarrow poof news, which is true. That it's is true. true. <laughs> a great cast of funny people who love Star Wars but aren't too worried about the significance or legacy of Star Wars. That's also true. Makes me smile, which these days is an accomplishment. <laughs> Aww. About Aww. Star Wars or about anything? I'm glad we can bring you some joy. Yeah. It's been a hard year. It's been a hard year. It has everyone. been a hard year. Yeah. <clears throat> A delightful way to revisit Star Wars Legends. Five stars by CR07. 
During the pandemic, I took a deep dive back into the Star Wars Legends books and rediscovered that Zahn's books are actually great, while a good portion of everything else is a fantastic disaster. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm working my way through Rogue Quadrant's right. back catalogue of episodes and loving their snarky commentary as they revisit these books as well. This show is so much fun. It's a great substitute for making my friends and family listen to my opinions about these books for hours. <laughs> P.S. Please, please continue and do Children of the Jedi. I need to hear your Callista <laughs> takes. P.P.S. I hope you enjoy these nourishing stars. Oh, we enjoy them so no, much. No, Thank no, you. No. We are so nourished, we but also <laughs> fuck Children of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> We're Children of the Jedi. I will have a separate episode that's just me dunking on Children of the Jedi, but we're not gonna, I'm not taking seven weeks to go through that <laughs> That's shit. too much. It sounds like a fun time, honestly, a whole episode just dunking no, on the No, it's not, it's not even fun, like the Jedi Academy books were fun, or Glove of Darth Vader is fun to make fun of, it's just bad. <laughs> <laughs> just... Glove of Darth Sap, I think you'd probably have a pretty hard time, uh, just like, a lot of putting spirits and robots luke um, is in love with the computer but like not in a good way does the ghost of x raccoon uh, become a droid no he's not in this <laughs> no oh, Who luke it. wants to fuck is that what's happening here he could just fuck yes. the ghost on yavin <laughs> <laughs> that's not where those podcasts is going to go <laughs> Tonight on anyway, a rogue pod. Thank you so much, CR7. These stars are very nourishing. They are. I'm and please uh, keep thoughts. listening by the time you get to this episode because <laughs> yeah, I really hope you make it the backlog. <laughs> uh pew 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 pew. Five stars. By oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I have to read it. Okay, okay. Phonetically. As far who Nice. Our first, our nice. first bot review. <laughs> <laughs> Your one-stop shop for deserved corn takedowns, Neft Hensense podcast, and a very funny if stretch podron pun. <laughs> Don't funny. read Star Wars books; just experience them through Rogue Podron. <laughs> that's really oh, nice. Uh, there, be, there's our new Twitter bio. bio. Yeah, that's, that's a new bio. Perfect. That's such a good description. I don't know if I agree, but that's very no, nice to I say. Agree 100%. <laughs> Thank you, all three of you, for your reviews. We're very nourished. We're so nourished. Thank you. So we're very social much social media team on that. Yeah, I'm on that. Okay, yeah. Great. <laughs> okay. So, Jikai, or next time on the Podgalorian, we'll be talking about Star Wars Visions, the twins. And Lop and Ocho. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, that's Ooh. that's a lineup. Oof. It is. <laughs> it is. I'm I would say that about no matter any combination of episodes, because they're all, yeah. Yeah, these these are the sibling stories next time. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I got I got a, a birthday gift from Box Lunch where I got to I got five dollars off of my next box lunch order. So I was like, which Star Wars Vision shirt am I going to buy with my box lunch coupon? And they have shirts that correlate with all nine episodes. And I, it was like impossible to choose. I mean, we all know which one right. I ended up going for, but like it was impossible to choose. I was like, I kind of want to wear all of these on my body all the time. They're great. <laughs> They're all great. Uh, such unique styling. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, may the sun shine oh, are we on still both podcasting? I definitely thought we were. Oh, yeah, we have to say that. <laughs> Where we was your act? There was no still... accent this entire episode. <laughs> no, there wasn't because I'm being respectful. Well, oh, God. oh that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's very uh, fair. I was, not, I was just, okay. I, yes. can, I can make fun of white people cowboy right. stuff 
just I am not going to <laughs> I just thought we could talk about this as cowboys, but I see your point. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair. Yeah. Okay, okay. we've spoken. Bye. The sun the sun shall we shine on both my tails. Thank you. Great, we're done. <laughs> Shop it. We did it. Wrap it. Roll tape. You fall, then you crawl, then you break, and you take what you get and you turn it into Honestly, you promise me I'm never gonna find you faking. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, are you BRB or are we no, just making Is that a joke? Oh, <laughs> I thought you actually had we to do something. <laughs> we had a we had a good bit going, in there. Uh, and then no, we now, didn't. now they're noting they're noting where the cut out. Yeah. Where I messed it up, Danny, leave it in. It's the difference between you and me editing a podcast, Danny. I I would have left that in. It's funny. It's funny. That's funny. I'm noting it down because it'll make it's a good blooper. Home. It's a funny callback if people hear the thing happen and then at the end of the episode they're like, oh my gosh, they thought That's that was the a real thing. Yeah. Don't include this part. <laughs>